0: We're looking at John chapter 11, verses 17 through 44. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your, bro- your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives... And believes will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved, in spirit, and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? And some, but some of them said, could not... He who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you you will always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing there, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with the strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go.
1: Amen. Thank you, John. Lord, we thank you for your great love that you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us. Thank you for this gospel that you have entrusted us with, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried. But the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he appeared and gave many convincing proofs to many people. And even us, as we experience your presence here today, Jesus, as we're meeting in your name, reveal your heart, reveal yourself, reveal your love, reveal the gospel to us again today as we celebrate your presence and your resurrection from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I invite you to leave your Bible open to John 11. As you know, uh, here at Calvary, we're going through the book of John. We're really on chapter 9, but I thought we better do chapter 11 today because that's where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And so he is risen. Come on, let's try it again. He is risen. Amen. I love the story about a pastor speaking to a group of second graders about the resurrection of Jesus. And one uh, student asked, what did Jesus say right after he came out of the grave? And the pastor explained that the gospels really don't tell us what he said. And then the hand of one of the little girls shot up and said, I know what he said, I know what he said. He said... Ta-da! I like that one. The resurrection of Jesus is the ta-da of the gospel. Another one uh, I enjoy, the four friends are talking about death, and uh, one of them asks the other three, you know, when you're in a casket and people are mourning you, what would you like them to say about you? And the first man said, well, I'd like them to hear I'd like like them to say that maybe I was a fine physician and, you know, a pretty good family man, and the second guy said, well, I'd like to hear them say that I was a wonderful, you know, husband and a great teacher and, you know, made a huge difference in the lives of children, and then the third man replied, well, when people are looking at me and mourning my death and looking at my body in the casket, I'd like to hear them say, look, I think He's moving. Isn't that what the angel said that first resurrection morning? He's risen. He's not here. He's alive. And because he's alive, anything is possible. Salvation is here. You see, for the Christian, Easter is far more than eggs and rabbits and new hats and new clothes. No, we don't worship the pagan goddess Estarte. No, Easter is a celebration, really, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Actually, every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection because Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And today is not the Sabbath, my friends. It is the Lord's day. And Jesus is alive. And we celebrate the present tense reality of Jesus. We celebrate his presence. Salvation is here. And when we look at Jesus' words here in John chapter 11, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, you know, we're looking at them from a historical perspective, really. Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, We know about it in history. I mean, there was an empty tomb I mean, it's a fact. And then I just want you to um, make sure you're in John chapter 11. We want to go through some of these verses, this wonderful story of Jesus raising up Lazarus from the dead. And first, let's set the stage uh, with some background, uh, a a couple verses that John did not read. John chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And so Jesus gets word that Lazarus, good friend, as well as the brother of Martha and Mary, uh, he was sick. And the Bible says that Jesus loved Lazarus. And then uh, in verse 4, Jesus said that this sickness would not end in death. And the reason is this so that God would be glorified. And then verse 6 says that Jesus stayed there two more days. So basically, by the time Jesus got to Bethany, Lazarus was already dead. And then uh, the rest of the story is what John just read, uh, verses 17 to 44. So we know about the resurrection of Jesus from history, but Mary and Martha did not know about Jesus' resurrection because he hadn't done that yet. And they were looking at their brother Lazarus who had died. Lazarus was dead, and so all they really knew about was death. Lazarus had been in the tomb. He'd been in the grave for four days. The funeral had taken place, right? The visitation was over. They ate their potato salad and those little cheese Whiz uh, Sandwiches with green olives all over them. And it was all over. Lazarus was dead. That's all that they knew. Like a letter that came from the Health and hum- Human Services to a resident of Greenville, South Dakota, it said this. Your food stamps will be stopped effective March 2018 because we received notice that you passed away. May God bless you. You may, reply, you, you may reapply if your circumstances change. I mean, wouldn't it have been a surprise if we found out his name was Lazarus? You know, dead for four days, back to work on Monday. Huh? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me uh, will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And Jesus asked the question. Here it is. Do you believe this? And that's the question I want to ask you this 2018 Resurrection morning. Do you believe this? Easter is about resurrection. Easter is about life. Life now and life beyond the grave. Three truths from this story. Truth number one. First of all, I think Jesus is saying, when he says, I am the resurrection, he's saying that he has the power. Jesus has the power to stop and to change this disintegration and death that we have in our world. I mean, there's coming a day in the future. When there's going to be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, no more crying. But now, uh, this world is falling apart. I mean, you may have heard of the, you know, the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, you may have studied it. You may have forgotten it. You may have flunked it. Uh, but you're all part of it. Because the second law of thermo- thermodynamics says that once energy is used, it's almost impossible to regain. If anything can decay it will. If anything can disintegrate, it does. If anything can rot or spoil, it will. Everything, you know, ultimately everything falls apart, and that's what it's saying. No sooner is an object made than it begins to deteriorate. Now, I grew, a lot, I, I grew up uh, wearing a lot of secondhand clothes, uh, hand-me-down clothes, but I do remember once in a while, you know, at Christmas time or Easter, my brother and I get some new clothes, but you know, They didn't seem to stay new very long i mean the minute you start wearing clothes they start wearing out and you know cars are the same way right they start to nickel and dime you to death i mean all cars all our cars i think need a bailout once in a while right you know somebody told me ford means fix or repair daily or found on road dead you know remember that little italian car the fiat f-i-a-t fix it again tony right I mean, every time you buy a new car, the minute you drive it off the lot, it starts to wear out. I mean, even iron and metal and buildings and plants, all living creatures wear out. That steel shell of the unsinkable Titanic uh, that lies in the bottom of the ocean, they tell us that in a few centuries uh, it won't be there anymore. I mean, that big hunk that they brought up a few years back, I mean, and they've displayed it around the country, they have to take care of it in a special way so that it stops the rusting procedure and that. Disintegration, you know, I thank God um, for our tremendous trustee team here at Calvary uh, United Methodist Church as they care for this church building that constantly needs attention. I mean, already, it's 12 years old. I mean, this process of disintegration, it's falling apart. It's the way your house is. It's the way things are in life. And you know what? We're disintegrating too. You know, I'm starting to hear noises coming out of my body. It's like, what in the world you know, shoulders. like, what? This is not right. You know, we need repairs. Many people are getting new parts. I mean, my brother just had two knees put in three years ago. I mean, we walked to Grand Canyon last fall, but he's got two new knees, titanium knees, you know, and people need new hips, and my hair is falling out, obviously, and they say the older we get, our knees buckle, and our belt doesn't, right? And When we sink our teeth into a juicy steak, they stay there. Or somebody told me 20 years ago that men over 40 get that dresser disease where your chest starts sinking down into your drawers, right? Cosmetic sales are up. More liposuction facelifts are being done on men. I mean, we are deteriorating. I mean, look at a typical church pictorial directory. I mean, you know, when they're only a couple years old, it's already out of date. I mean, some have passed away Uh, some have moved Uh, many new people are coming thank the lord for that And when you look at those pictures i mean even our physical appearance changes in two short years i was talking with one of you and i said you know i'm getting in pretty good shape this year you know i lost a little weight you know working out doing a little walking a little jogging a little riding bike pumping some iron i'm gonna play softball this summer again do i look like i'm 62 he said no but you used to 1,900 years ago, the writer of the book of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, nailed it when he wrote in Hebrews 1, 10 to 12. Actually, it's a quote from Psalm 102. In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed, but you remain the same And your years will never end. Listen, were it not for almighty God's hand upon our universe, just holding it together, recreating it with his energy and with his life, we would very quickly become a barren desert. I mean, speaking about Jesus, the apostle Paul writes in Colossians 1, all things were created by him and for him. He's before all things and in him, all things hold together. I remember the story of a little boy He was peeling off his skin from a sunburn, and he said, man, I'm only five years old, and I'm coming apart already. In Jesus, all things hold together. Jesus has the power to stop and to change this disintegration and death. That's truth number one. But before we get on to truth number two, I loved uh, E.V. Hill when he was alive. He's uh, my favorite African-American preacher. I can remember him saying You know, I preached to the queen and I preached in a white house, but it's all an outhouse compared to what God has for those who love him. Amen? Secondly, Jesus said he has the power. Jesus has the power available, not just in the future out there, but he has the power today. See, Mary and Martha misunderstood what he was saying. He said to them, I'm the resurrection and the life. And Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe you are. And Lazarus will rise in the last day. Verse 24. But see, she misunderstood what Jesus was saying. He was saying, you know, I can make a change today. And that's what it's all about. That's what believing in Christ is all about. That God can change us today. And we don't have to wait till judgment or heaven Paul wrote to the Ephesians chapter one that the same power, now uh, think about this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, is living in those who claim his name. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more all than all we can ask or imagine, according to what? According to his power that is at work within us. You see, Martha's mind was stuck in a box of 3,000 years worth of death and dying, and she just couldn't get it out of her head. And Mary, the one who loved Jesus, remember? She had poured perfume on Jesus' feet and and then wiped his feet with her hair, and even Mary concluded that there was nothing else that Jesus could do. In fact, she said, Lord, by this time there's a bad odor. I mean, he's been in the grave for four days. Another translation says it best, Lord, he stinketh, (laughs) I love that one. In fact, uh, Lazarus walked out of the grave, or should I say he hopped out of the grave because he was still wrapped up in those grave clothes, remember, like a mummy? But when Lazarus came out of that tomb, Martha's box of death and dying, it was shattered. Christ had brought something new. Not just in the end times is his power available to change life, but today, God is in the business Of transforming lives and transforming marriages and families and churches and businesses and communities and states and nations and yes, even our world. Today, the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the cross, the power of the gospel can change your life. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection, not I was. Or not, I will be, but I am. Jesus responded to Martha and said, Martha, didn't I tell you that if you only believed, you would see the glory of God? That's verse 40. Oh, you and I have memorized Martha's words rather than Jesus' words. I mean, we've memorized them and we say them often again and again and again. Lord, if you'd only been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Too many of us think, Lord, you just came a little too late. I've got my cancer. I've got my heart that's defective. i got my hope that's been shattered. My marriage has failed. My kids are prodigals. My business is in bankruptcy. My old habits, addictions have sealed me in like a tomb. I'm wrapped up in the grave clothes of doubt and unbelief and bitterness and unforgiveness and shame and guilt. And Lord, you're just too late, like Lazarus. My life stinks. And that kind of stinking thinking can happen to all of us every once in a while. You see, Lazarus is dead, but God does know and God does care and he cares about your life and he will make a difference today. I am the resurrection and if there's a delay, it's only because doing so provides this greater miracle in your life. God cares about you and he knows you by name. Lazarus, come forth. You're listening this morning, whatever circumstances have entombed you, whatever darkness is just smothering you, God knows you by name. And if you listen this morning, you can hear him call your name. Lazarus come forth. Mary come forth. You know, Sally come forth. David come forth. Daniel come forth. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, Calvary. Wake up, Fargo. Wake up Red River Valley to the presence of God and the power of God and the purity of God and the passion of God, the eye of God, he's on us. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he's watching me. He's watching, he knows us, he cares about us. What if Jesus only was sad at Lazarus' tomb? I mean, what if he only wept tears at Lazarus' tomb? Then God would be like Rabbi Kushner's God in his book, when bad things happen to good people. I mean, that's a book that says God is saddened by our suffering. He cares about our suffering, but that's all that he can do. May I say to you this morning, truth number three, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He's risen from the grave, and he can do more than care. He can do more than be saddened by your life. He can change your life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And what did he do? Well, he fed the 5,000. He said, I'm the light of the world. What did he do? He laid his hands on the blind man, and he could see again. He said, I am the resurrection of life. And what did he do? He raised Lazarus from the dead. The power of Jesus says it can be done. All things, with God, all things, all things are possible. With Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there's always possibilities. With Jesus, there's always new beginnings. And so it's time to wake up, O sleeper. It's time to wake up, Calvary. It's time to wake up, Red River Valley. I think there's an awakening, really, in our valley, and it's happening right now. I think there's miracles of salvation. We've had a few right here at Calvary. Miracles of repentance, miracles of restoration, miracles of reconciliation, miracles of healing, miracles of revelation and prophecy, miracles of love, the mighty river of God's love, the mighty river of God's spirit is just gonna flood our hearts in our homes, in our church, and the city, and the lukewarm church. The lukewarm church is going to repent. And people across the board are going to seek God, and they're going to love God like they've never sought him or loved him before. It's going to happen. Do you believe? He asked Martha. Do you believe? He asked Mary. Do you believe? He asked you. He asked me. Jesus has the power. It's available right now to change your world. He can put you back together again. You've just got to give him all the pieces. I mean, didn't David pray a broken and a contrite heart? Oh, Lord, you will not despise. We've got to get broken. So what in your life have you concluded is beyond the Lord's power? What have you put in the box as hopeless in your life? What have you put in a box as irreparable in your life? God says in Jeremiah, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Paul writes in Ephesians, My God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even think. God's hands are not tied. God is sufficient, and His sufficiency really is our only hope. No matter how dark the day, I think God can bring you through. No matter how hopeless the night, God can bring a miracle. Some of us came today feeling that God's just a little too late. He's late. Jesus was not there in time, and you wouldn't even bother with this church stuff if you haven't been here with your family And because it's Easter. I mean, we all feel that way sometimes, if we're honest. When we see our failures and when we see our sins and we see ourselves with you know, great clarity before this holy, righteous, perfect God, we know that we could never be good enough We know that we can't be good enough to take care of the past, but that's okay. You see, that's what the cross really is all about. That's what Easter is all about. Easter says he's risen. The blood of Jesus is enough. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith, and that's where we can turn to. And Jesus tells Martha, only believe. You see, Easter, it's a call to faith. It's a summons to believe that Jesus has the power to make the wounded and the weary whole. Call upon me in the day of trouble, the Lord says, and I will deliver you, and, and you shall glorify me. You know, in a crowd this size, I can almost guarantee you that probably every problem known to man is represented here today. I'm certain that there are some people here today who are right in the middle of some kind of marriage trouble, separation, divorce. I'm certain that some of you have just buried a loved one, and you know that grave out there—it's still fresh, and the grief is still there. And there are others having problems with their kids, and there are others who would like to get married, but there's this ache in their heart and the and the loneliness, and it just hasn't happened yet. And I know there are people here that are going through financial problems because of the economics of our country, and you know, job loss, and maybe situations that will. Put your house or your home, you know, really in jeopardy. And I know people facing health problems. I mean, the tests haven't come back yet, and you're kind of scared to death. And I know people who are questioning, you know, what am I going to do about the future, about my career? I mean, should I go to school? Where am I supposed to live? Should I move? I mean, these are uh, these are people dealing with real stress and real guilt and real grief and bitterness and unforgiveness. I mean, there are people hiding things that they're ashamed of today. I have no doubt about it. Secret sins. And you're all here today. Thank the Lord for that. And I want you to know that Jesus cares all about that stuff. He really does. He really does. But all that stuff is nothing compared to eternity. I know last Sunday afternoon, Randy Spar called me up. Pastor Randy and his wife, Diane, were good friends. And he say, hey, you want to go to that movie, The Apostle? Oh, okay. I just went to a movie the, the day before. Mary and I don't go to many movies, but man, like two in two days, that was amazing. But the Apostle uh, Paul was a movie about um, Luke. Jim Sevesel played Luke, and Luke was trying to get information uh, to write the book of Acts. And so uh, the Christians in Rome were being persecuted, and Paul, the Apostle, was in a prison there. And it was just... Uh, amazing depicting some of the persecute you know they poured oil on these people and they put them up there and they lit them on fire i mean i mean the persecution and you know they got them in groups and they'd march them out into the arena and they called that nero circus you want to come and have a good time and watch the circus and christians were just getting uh persecuted and after i got out of that movie i thought you know what these early christians you know the only thing they had was jesus That's it. They had Jesus and the hope for eternal life. That's all they had. And that's the gospel. All we need is Jesus. And all we need is the hope and the sure hope of eternal life. And Jesus is saying, if you just quit going your own way and you come my way, and if you just fall in love with me, if you just seek me with all of your heart, just seek my kingdom, And my righteousness, I'll take care of all the other stuff that we worry about. I'll give you purpose, I'll give you power, and ultimately I'm going to give you a place in heaven. And we can say with the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. All they had was Jesus and that hope for heaven. You know, there will always be problems. There will always be pressures. There's always going to be trials and tribulations. Jesus said, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise. better claim it. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Do you believe that? Would you bow your head with me? So, is to today the day for you. Maybe in different ways uh, you've been hearing the Lord Jesus knock at your heart's door for a long time. Different situations and you know maybe picture in your mind uh, five years from now you're at a coffee shop. The person you're with asks you what circumstances and events led you to faith in Christ and Maybe you could say, you know, it was at this Easter morning worship service at Calvary Church in Fargo, North Dakota, April 1st, 2018, that I started to get serious with God. And I really didn't change overnight, but as I look back, I started to have this hunger for God and a hunger for his word. And I can see my attitudes and my actions change in many ways. And I've noticed that I have a purpose and I have a power that I never really had before, in spite of my circumstances, and I know that I have a place in heaven. I'm forgiven because I believe that Jesus died for me, that He paid the price of death for my sins, and He is so real to me, and He's my best friend and he's my savior and he's my forgiver, He's my leader and He's my Lord. Wouldn't that be something if you gave your life to Christ today? maybe you did one time in your life and you just haven't been walking with the Lord. Wouldn't it be something if you rededicated your life to Christ today? I mean, for real, serious, maybe you'd like to pray in your heart, just simple prayer of salvation, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of commitment, something like this. Like, God, I am so sorry. Lord, I am so sorry. I've been going my own way. I've really been doing my own thing. And Jesus, I know that you haven't been first in my life. I've broken your perfect law. I've missed the mark. I'm, I'm dead, just like Lazarus. I'm dead in trespasses and sins. I'm locked in a tomb. I'm wrapped in grave clothes of unbelief and doubt. But Jesus, I want to believe. Jesus, I understand that you, you love me. And you died on the cross for me. And that you rose from the dead and in a very real way that you are alive and you're standing at my heart's door seeking an entrance right now. And you want to live in my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that you are the sinless Savior, Son of God. So please come into my life. Please forgive me. Please lead me. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. I want you not only to be the resident of my life, but the president. Lord, I'm calling on your name today. I'm crying out to you, heal me, please change me. You said, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I just want to say in my heart today that I believe in you, Jesus Christ. Amen.